I picked this up for my grandkids. So I want to just let you see what it's supposed to do at least. Don't worry. Where is uh, my security guy? Tom is ready in case it gets away from me. Tall Tom. Don't worry, folks. There's no camera on this thing. But look at that. Now, this little guy is supposed to... Tom, help me out there. <laughs> well, it's coming back. There we go. So this is a... <laughs> you see how it works. This is a mini drone. Thank you, Tom. It, this is a mini drone that I designed for RCA some years ago. No, this... A couple years, well, maybe a year or two ago, I saw this right before Christmas, and, and I thought, oh, the little ones. Or we're, we're, we're going to have fun with this, right? And sometimes I'll, the grandkids will be like, pop, pop, get the drill. And when I, if I flip, flick this thing in the air, they put their hands over their heads, ah! and they just, as if it's a bat, you know, flying around. But the, if you noticed at all anything about it, the design of it is, there's no controller. So that's why I asked Tall Tom to be my, to be my, 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 my uh, uh, you know, security help support here. But um, uh, that it, 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 it is designed to move in one way. Sensors, it's, it's designed to fly away from human touch. So you put your hand out, it's supposed to go that way, down here, up, up here, down. It's supposed to go away from you. Now, you know, one of the things that uh, I have in common with this drone is that after usually chasing it around for three minutes with my grandkids, I'm exhausted. And the good news is, it only lasts about three minutes. <laughs> you know, you gotta charge this thing for like six hours, and after three minutes, it's dropping, and they're going, Pop, Pop, what's wrong? And I'm saying, it, it needs to be charged again. It, uh, they, they did not put a lot of design into the battery life, right? But uh, that's what I have in common with that. I launched it here this morning, not just for fun, but because there's something that I should not have in common with that drone. And that is that drone was designed to launch and avoid human contact. And God has designed us as Christians to launch toward human beings with a glorious, wonderful message of Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to see that today as we look further in Scripture. So let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, how I thank you for your plan. How I thank you for what Scripture not only tells me, but what I experience when I gather here with this body of Christ and find my heart encouraged and my faith strengthened and my witness more confident. We pray that you would do that through your word today in us. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have been studying the Apostle Paul. We are going somewhere with this eventually. We're looking at different aspects of his life. It's going to lead us eventually in a couple weeks to begin a study of 1 Thessalonians, if you feel like reading that. But um, we have looked at the Apostle Paul's conversion. We have looked at the Apostle Paul's early witness. We've seen him growing as God's put him behind where nobody sees him for some years, right? And he's a growing as a disciple. We've seen Paul as a co-worker. Paul as a bodybuilder. And today we see Paul the missionary. Paul the missionary, right? Because we read in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, Now there were at Antioch in the nine churches that were there, 
prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. <coughs> we're going to see Saul, Paul, uh, with Barnabas, obviously, but where it focuses on Paul, uh, going out from, going out to, and going out with. And we begin with him going out from where? Well, obviously, we just read he's going out from Antioch. And uh, I'm not just talking about the location on the map. If you've been here with us for the last few weeks, and you know I've said if Maple Shade was Jerusalem, Antioch would basically be like Lake George. That's about the distance and that location of Jerusalem to Antioch, right? But I'm not even talking about that spot on the map. When I say going out from, I'm talking about him going out from the value of a solid Christian base, of a church. He's going out from some particular GPS coordinates. <coughs> but it's the value of what's been happening at those GPS coordinates. During my uh, studies some years ago for a Master of Ministry de degree, um, one of the counseling professors talked about, and I remember it sticking in my head because I had young children, right? And the counselor talked about that the first three years of a child's life uh, are very formative for security and for boundaries, right? That there's such a, a base that can be formed there. Now, that doesn't mean if you did a good job with your children, they will never rebel or they'll never feel insecure. Nor does it mean if your early journey was a lot more difficult than mine where you were in a family, it doesn't mean you can't find security in Christ. And, you know, but just that sense of what those early years can do for a child's sense of <coughs> being able to launch, right? Being ready to launch. And it's what? It's a launching pad. It's a base. You know, 50 years ago, when I was 12, if, if you were around here on a summer night down the street a little bit, near Glenn Tarr's house, as I always reference, right? Since, since that's the house I grew up in, right? But, but you would hear us yelling, right? We're, you know, we're, we're playing games in the summer. We're always outside, right? You know, and, 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 and often we would be like setting, okay, here's the deal. The boundaries are our yard and the Sherman's yard across the street, the Turners and, 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 and the Fellers, and, and, and this is our base. And like in the base, you can't touch us in the base, you know, and, and, and you'd get to the base and I'm safe in my base. And we'd also strategize there, right? They froze Dan over there. We got to get Dan free. So I'll run over here and then you go get Dan. The base, right? That's that sense. That's what I'm talking about. What's the base for the church? Well, the base for the church was set back in Acts chapter 2. If you want to look there, it was set in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. We have the new church in Jerusalem. 
They're forming a base. They're building lives. They're, they're, they're abiding in Christ. They're building strong lives in Jesus, like our, mo, our, you know, our, our, our motto is here, right? Like, like, we're just that sense of what? That, that, that home base, that security in Jesus in the body, their faith is being strengthened. They're gaining a confidence to go witness. And what happens? Well, we've seen it. The church then grows and spreads to Samaria. They send Barnabas. Barnabas gets Paul, and they spend a year there building the church. Well, excuse me, no. Church goes to Samaria. Then it travels, you know, to Antioch. And, and there at Antioch, they, Paul and, and, and Barnabas spend a year there teaching the church, right? Then we saw they take the offering back to the church in Jerusalem. That fact of we realize we're only here because you were there. This is the church growing and expanding. And now they're back in chapter, chapter 13, right? And verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and they're fasting, they're back there, the church is together. They're spending time, what, with all these good teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, all these different ones. They're doing what? They're doing Acts 2.42. What was happening in Acts 2.42 in Jerusalem is now happening here in Antioch. It's being fortified. The church is spreading. I am not a military strategist. I've never had a class in military strategy. I did spend a lot of hours some years ago listening to General Norman Schwarzkopf each day as he told us what was happening out there, right? You know, it, it, some of you are, that are, are, don't know that. It was before you were born, maybe, right? But, but I've, I've watched documentaries, and one of the things that, you know, they make clear that becomes critical in, in battle is what? Your supply line, right? And the church can't just keep stretching their supply line from Jerusalem. It has to be fortified along the way. And they've done it in Samaria. And now they're doing it in Antioch. This church that's being fortified and built and growing and strong so that they can launch off even further, right? Great things are happening here. One writer says, the Antioch Community Church was the place to be. The place thrived on the solid teaching of the word. We talked several weeks ago about the Peter-Paul company when Peter and Paul actually came together in Acts and most of Acts we're gonna see, you know, is, is about Paul, right? And, and Peter, we, we don't read a lot about, but he's, he's still vibrantly being used of God. And one of the things later in his life, Peter writes uh, letters to the church, right? And in 1 Peter chapter one, what does he say in verse 23? For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. What's he say a few verses later in chapter 2 and verse 2? Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So it's not we come to the word of God, right? Because that's how we get saved. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God, the truth of the gospel. We come to the word of God, we get saved, and now we go where? To grow. We go to the word of God to grow, right? It's the word that saves us. It's the word that builds our lives. It's so critical, right, to be connected and in a vibrant church setting where the word is being fed. My son Vince is uh, 35, our son Vince, Greta and I, and uh, he'll be 36 in June. And it, was, it struck me because that means 
In June, his high school graduation will be the halfway point in his life to this point. That blows my mind, that he has lived as many years after his high school graduation as he did from the day we took him home, which I can remember. The drone's still there. From the day we took him home until he graduated high school. It's just one of those moments where you're like, wow, half here, half. But I remember one of those pre-high school, pre-high school graduation moments. And uh, am I okay? Is that my battery? We don't know what it is. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just keep going, right? Anyhow, um, it could be. Is it, is it my battery? I'm going to take this out of my pocket. I'm going to put it up here. Can you give me some volume again and see if we're good? It might have been the wire. Thanks, Nate. It might have been the wire. It looked like it was a little loose. And uh, I can't imagine it was my belly fat that did that to it. But, <laughs> but it is quite active. So maybe. May, may. <laughs> you learn a lot, you know, the word of God, and, and plus more, right? No, but... But I remember when, when he was, before he graduated, he was struggling with chemistry. And uh, I remember going into his room one night. He was where he was supposed to be. It was his, it was his final exam. And he was where he was supposed to be. He was, the, right, he was in his room. And I, I kind of walked up quietly, because you, you know, you, sometimes you, you, know, you want to, he's a good kid, but you want to catch him you know, if you open the door and they're dropping the controller and jumping over to their desk. And, and, uh, but I, I didn't hear anything. I opened the door slowly. He's sitting at his desk. He's got his hands down. He's looking down. I looked over his shoulder. He had the study sheet there. Good. But there were no answers on it. It was just the questions for the final, like what, what might be on the final exam. And I, I said, what do you got, the answers memorized? No. I said, what are you studying? I don't know. <laughs> I said, where are the answers? I left him at school. I said, Ben, why didn't you, you've been up here for over a half hour. Why didn't, what, uh, I knew you'd be upset with me. I said, Ben, call Danny, call whoever. Get the answers. What's the point sitting here, right? In other words, he was at the right GPS coordinates. He was at his desk. It was what was happening at those GPS coordinates. He was disconnected from the power. You know, I, I, I don't rail a lot about what's going on in, in, in other churches, but I do, my heart does break when I see church after church that has a cross up top or is claiming Christian, and there are wonderful churches out there. Please, wonderful churches out there building the body. But when I see those who, know, who, who now believe that Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, atheists, we're, it doesn't matter. We're all going to the same place. We're, we're gathered to the church just to tell you to, to, to love each other. You know, because why? They're disconnected from the power of what's supposed to be happening at that GPS coordinates, right? What's supposed to be happening? The power of God's word. I appreciated Steve Petrillo as, as I listened to his, his sermon from last week. And, and when he was sharing in his testimony about how, you know, he started reading the New Testament. And of course, he had a bunch of Bible professors around him, you know, explain it. No, it was him reading the New Testament and going, wow, 
It's the Holy Spirit opened it up. I, 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 my father's testimony. Our dad it was, grew up, we grew up in a very religious home. My dad was, a, a, as a boy, said, God, I want to be close to you. And he sought through his life to how do I please God? And I'll do this and do that and go to church. And, but in his life, there was this disconnect. And the Holy Spirit started to move in him and started to, 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 to provoke him. And, and in that journey, when we came out, my brothers and I to play basketball here, my dad came to a, a, a church service. And I remember him saying to us, he sat there and just thought, wow, this is what my soul has longed for. I didn't know there were people who sit and listen to the word of God expounded for you know, a half hour, 45 minutes to just, to just hear the word of God taught. What was he testifying to? What Peter says, his heart was longing for the milk of the word. That's what has to be happening here. We desire people to get saved here, we do. And if you've never placed your faith in Christ, whether you're sitting here or you're watching, oh dear friend, he died on the cross, as the song said, to pay your full price. If you put your faith in him and you have eternal life, we desire for people to be saved in our midst. We desire to go out and reach them. We desire to do outreach that brings people in. We desire to care for our community. But the heart of what's happening at this GPS coordinates is that we're supposed to be building a base. We're supposed to be building strong lives in the word of God, in Christian fellowship, in the power of prayer. That's all supposed to be happening in our midst. That's our priority. Because while that's happening, God then is doing what? He's equipping us to launch us out locally and daily to the people that he wants us to take Jesus to, right? It just, that, that, that sense that power while it's happening. That's what we read there in verse two. And while they were ministering to the Lord, that's when the Holy Spirit launches them. While it's happening. Verse three, they laid their hands on them and off they go, right, for the first missionary journey. What a moment to have some people put their hands on you, that sense of identifying. And we've done that before. We've done that with some who <clears throat> we lay hands on them and they're going off to tell people about Jesus in some distant place so we won't see them for a while. But we also lay hands on one another, sometimes really lay hands, what I mean is through prayer. Well, this past Wednesday Night Live and several of them, you, you know, when Tom has been sharing with us in prayer, we need to pray for each other to be bold, to be able to share the gospel. That's kind of like laying, our, when you pray for, I'm laying my hands on you in prayer. Oh God, give us boldness. It's one of the reasons we come together here. To build a base. What are we going out from? Whew. We're going out from a place where we have been strengthened in the word of God, in prayer. And what do we go out to? We're going out to whoever God has planned whoever God has planned for us. Last week I spoke at a, uh, a marriage retreat up in Montrose, PA. Greta was with me. The, the Punzies were here uh, in this morning at the nine, Frank and Jody. They were at the retreat with us. And uh, I remember we, we followed, we went up 476 and 81 and eventually you're above Scranton or whatever and 
GPS takes us off onto another road to get to Montrose. And I gotta tell you, we're on this road, and it's, whew, holy mackerel, where in the world are we? And it's turning, and it's up and down, and it's cracking, and this, this, there's no shoulder, and it looks like the road even, you almost feel like as we're driving, is that pieces are falling off? And at one point I said to Greta, oh my goodness, look out your window, and she looked, this steep drop, and she, ah, she said, get to the middle of the road, <coughs> right? And, and I'm thinking, where's the guardrail? And eventually I said, oh, at least there's a guardrail up here. But when you got to it, the guardrail was saying, help me, I'm falling. It was like, it was like, it was like hanging off the side. And I'm saying to Greta, where are we going? I don't think there's anybody going to be there because there's, there's nobody on the road, right? And I, and I remember saying to her, I hope Frank and Jody are okay. I don't know. We got to the retreat and the people there are like, it sent you where? No, no, I, I don't know what you clicked, but no, you should have gone this way or that. But boy, you know, sometimes you may feel like, Holy Spirit, where are you sending me? Oh, Lord, I'm only going to go where there's a shoulder. Oh, there's, a, there's a shoulder that I know if I need to pull over. But what do we read in verse 4? So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus. Where are they going? Wherever the Holy Spirit's leading them. I want you to remember the words of Jesus when he said, I will make you fishers of men. One of the times he said that was in Luke chapter 5 when they had already been fishing and they came back, right? And you know that. And as they came back, they're they're, they're cleaning their nets and Jesus says, let's go out fishing again. And most of you know the story. And they go out fishing again. They're not going to be there, the fish. We already did. And Jesus says, put your nets on that side of the boat. And they do and they bring in an incredible catch. And Jesus says, I'm making you fishers of men. I know where the fish are. I'm going to take you to them. I know where the fish are. I will lead you to them. And so they go, and they go through, it says, the whole island, right? But remember, they're not hopping on 295. They're on Route 130. And any of you driven on both those roads know there's a big difference, right? (laughs) 295, you're going around everybody. Route 130, you're hitting every light. This is where they eat. This is where they wash their cars in this town. This is where, you know, you're getting the towns. That's what they're doing. I love the New Living Translation. It says, they traveled from town to town across the whole island. And God leads them to these lives. Bar Jesus, this false prophet, verse 7, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus the magician, for thus his name was translated, same person, Bar-Jesus and Elimus, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, remember we said that before, he doesn't become Paul, Saul and Paul, they're, you know, they're, they're his, his Jewish and kind of Gentile name, right, right, for the Roman name. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze upon him. Excuse me. And said, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? 
And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. Immediately amidst and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. That's important. The miracle is not what he puts his faith in. The miracle is what gets his attention to the validity of what? The word, the power of the message, the word of God that they, that they build, were built on in that base and went out from the church with the word of God, and that's what this man responds to. The one did, the other didn't. I always appreciated, my dad shared with me early in pastoral ministry that uh, he had been at a pastor's conference and, and the fellow had talked about the popcorn popper. And I may have said it to you before, but just that there's gonna be kernels in that popcorn popper. And, 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 and you're gonna find yourself sometimes focused on why isn't that one popping? Why isn't that one popping? But what you need to focus on the ones that are. Because God is gonna be popping popcorn kernels. Some of them aren't gonna pop, but God's gonna be sitting there doing his work. For, for the one, right? Bar-Jesus, Elimus, he doesn't. But Sergius Paulus does. As a matter of fact, I, I talked to you before about the beauty of archaeology. Uh, in the 1960s, again, they uncovered what? They uncovered an inscription on that island. And it was an inscription about a, 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 an official, a proconsul, Sergius Paulus, who was a Christian. It's just that, that, that sense of, of, of affirmation, right? <clears throat> but man, where they travel, they're going whoever, they're out to who? Whoever God has planned, and, and that's what we have to consider. This is the beginning of Paul's first missionary journey. By the time we read his final missionary journey, the Moody Bible Atlas of Lands concludes that the distance traveled by Paul was 13,400 airline miles. But if you consider the winding and jagged roads he traveled, the distance exceeds that greatly. First missionary journey, back to the base. Second missionary journey, back to the base. Third missionary journey. <clears throat> he reached countless lives along the way. What about us? It could be that God is calling one of you to a foreign field. And if he is, if you sense, I really feel God is calling me to, to, to go overseas to share the, the good news. You know, talk to me. We'll, we'll pray with you about it. And, you know, and sometimes we have missions trips. But more often, it's what? <clears throat> more often for us, it's about our local daily launch that God launches us out to, right? And remember Jesus' words in John chapter 3. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So don't be shocked that I tell you, you must be born again. You have to have a birth of the spirit. But he says what? The wind blows, and you don't know where it's going. That's where the Holy Spirit's working. You, you don't know who the Holy Spirit is blowing into your path. But he will. He will. He will work in that way. I remember some years back, the Cooks, Bob and Pat, always sat over here, right? They, they've moved to Florida, and we miss them. If you're watching Bob and Pat, we miss you all the time. 
I remember we were driving somewhere with them, Greta and I, and this was a while back, GPS in the car. Some of us had bought those ones that you stick into the lighter and you, uh, the Garmin's or whatever, but, but, but Bob had a car that had it, and, and he, the woman there on the GPS, he called her Molly Mouth, Molly Mouth. Where, where are we going, Molly Mouth? And, you know, she turn left here. At the next mile and a half, do this. And they shared with us, uh, actually, Greg and I weren't on this trip with them. But they were sharing with us about another trip. And Pat's saying, Bob, you sure we're going where we're supposed to be going? Because this wedding, like, is, is in a, a kind of a populated area. No, Molly Mouth knows. Molly Mouth, Molly, you know, and, and go, go a mile and a half and turn right. And Pat's saying, Bob, are you sure? And eventually they, they pull in into this open farm field. And Molly Mouth says, you have arrived at your destination. <laughs> and they weren't anywhere near the wedding that they, that they were trying to get to, Right. And, and you may say, that's me. I asked the Lord, and I don't just feel like, you know, all I'm, you know, there's, there's, there's nobody that he brings my way, but there are. There are. I've had a neighbor that's been there the last 20 years or so, and there have been times that they have said to me, would you, would you be able to do this for our family or this or that? And last week they were standing out by their car all alone, and I just walked up, Behind him said, hey, how you doing? Good. I said, you know, sometimes I just want to make sure that, I, you know, I, I, you know that I'm not on your front lawn quoting Bible verses in the middle of the night, but I want you to know Jesus loves you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I said, do you know that? Yeah, yeah, I know that. I said, listen, because I, I just, you know, if you ever are in a situation, just talk, I, 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 I'm ready to share with you what Jesus has done in my life over and over again. You know, there, listen, we don't have, we, we don't have any tech, tech product here that guides you to the person that's ready to get saved. You know, ah, you know, we don't have that. But I do believe the Holy Spirit is gonna blow lives your direction. And that's why we come to be strengthened and empowered. And we, 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 we go from here, we go out to who the Spirit takes us. But clo- in closing, we go out with what? We go out with the power of the gospel. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John look at the lame man. And he says, what do you got for me? And they say, we don't have money. What we have for you is the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Whew. And that's, that's what they go out with in verse 5. And when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God. What was that word of God that they proclaimed? Well, we read it later in the chapter. Verse 16, Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, he said, men of Israel, you who fear God, listen. Right? And he starts to proclaim the word of God. Verse 23, from the offspring of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. Verse 26, Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the word of this salvation is sent out. Verse 29, when they had carried out all that was written concerning Jesus, they took him down from the cross, they laid him in a tomb. God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses. Verse 38, therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. That's, that's, that's what we go out with. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 
Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, right, that's the message. The salvation, the forgiveness of sins that I bring, God revealed that to you. And I'm going to build my church on that. We have to go out with that. We have to. Care, provide, meet needs, help with all different ways. But we are being deepened here to be able to go out and be launched locally to different lives that the Holy Spirit is blowing your direction. He's not blowing them my direction. He's blowing other ones my direction. And we go out with what? The good news. You don't have to be a, you know, an eloquent speaker. I did a funeral a week ago, and at that funeral, I, I, uh, I saw in the obituary, the funeral director just reached, hey, could you do a funeral for this family? I saw in the obituary the person who died, their faith was meaningful to them. That's all it said. So I, 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 the, there was the son who seemed to be running things. Uh, I said to him, I saw that, you know, your loved one, the, the faith here um, was strong. Well, yeah, you know, she went to a church, but I don't. I said, okay, you know. I said, uh, you know, what church? And he named her. I thought, that's a, that's a, you know, she's hearing the word of God there and, and, and scripture and, and the message of the gospel. And he, he insisted again, but I don't. And that, but that was all I needed, you know, to help know what I was going to say. In the middle of my comments, I paused for both, brother, both brothers to be able to um, share a word. And uh, the one brother spoke for maybe 15 minutes. He spoke about not fearing death, but he, it wasn't that you don't fear death because of the gospel or because of eternal life. It was because death's purpose is to cause you to live a better life. And so death ends our lives. There's nothing after that, but uh, it should, you know, don't be afraid of it. And he was quoting philosophers and he was quoting university presidents and he was quoting different, and he was very eloquent and he had some poems about we only get this journey of life and it's really all that matters, you know what I mean? And he, and he talked about, so follow me, I am not afraid of death, you know what I mean? That, that it's, it's there to help us to know to live better here on this earth, and he sat down. He was eloquent, and he, you know. His brother stands up and says, I guess I'm kind of the black sheep of the family. I got into drugs. I got into alcohol. But I just want to say, Jesus Christ saved me from my sin. And now I'm going to be with my mom forever in heaven. He sat down. And see, you know, the power in the message of the gospel, how it can change lives. It's ours. Tim Shepard writes these words, inside my room, I hear the people crying. They do not know, they do not understand. Beyond these walls, millions are slowly dying. They've never tasted fruit from Canaan's land. But I'm just a child with my plans and dreams and visions. How can I go? Yet, Lord, how can I stay? So little time, and I've lessons to be learning. Yet hearts are yearning to be shown the way. You don't have to stand out on the street corner and yell to people that they're going to hell. That's, that's not very effective in maple shade these days, right? Just 
Grow in the word, right? Grow in the fellowship. Let your confidence be built. Not be ashamed of the gospel. Go out, Holy Spirit, what lives are you blowing in my path? And just give them the power of the gospel. Father, how we thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for this, your word. Thank you for the lives that you will blow our way this week. We will fail. We will be intimidated at times. We will, we, we, we will be frightened. We will question. We will doubt our effectiveness. But Lord, what we are asking you is to give us boldness. Sink our roots deep so that we are ready to drop the seeds of the gospel into whatever lives you blow our way this week. And so give us discernment to see them. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen.